We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings Week 13, DraftKings Picks and Preview. Remember to smash that like button, and in the comment section, tell me your favorite value defense of Week 13 on the main slate, because that's what we're talking here. We're talking about the main slate, the millionaire maker slate. If you want to play in the best tournament on DraftKings, it's not the millionaire maker. It is the Pat Mayo Experience Open. Link in the description right now, filling up very quickly. You might want to go reserve your spot or just go pick your teams. Three max entry, $15 to play, no rake, so a bunch of guaranteed money in that prize pool. Go play in the Pat Mayo Experience Open right now. Cheat sheet will be up on Saturday on DKPlaybook.com, and you can check out my Pivots article up on FTNDaily.com as well. If you want to get the sub to FTN Daily, you got the projections, the ownership projections, cornerback matchup, shadow index, optimizer. Go to FTNDaily.com right now. Heavily discounted for the rest of the season that goes through the Super Bowl. Use code Mayo. Get even more of a discount. That easy. From DailyRoto.com, host of the Take Cast. Davis Maddock in that sexy, sexy chest hair. Hey, how's it going, Pat? Yeah, this is um, this is uh, one of my one of my chief shirts. Obviously, I have a bunch of them, but you know, I, I've switched to this lav mic. You know, people remember when I used to have the the big hang down mic, and I switched to the lav mic just because I was sick of having that mic in my face when I was doing like actual work. Unintended consequence of of pulling my shirt down and showing everyone off my chest hair, which I can't be bothered to maintain since I never leave my house. 
I mean, you can just get a, get the quick trimmer. Like I, I got no chest hair on the go. I'm just, I'm, I'm just clean over here. It takes like two seconds. Come on. You're it's on a lot video. Of, it's a lot of work. You're buddy. on video. Also, also <laughs> here, here's a quick. I, I mean, you can give me the football tips because you're having a fantastic football season. Which I mean, 2020. Who would have known? Davis and winning. It just it's a new thing to me. But um, you, you see that uh, the the cord you got running up there. Paul, you can bring him up. You yeah. see that cord? Yeah. Why don't you put that underneath your shirt? Maybe I will. Maybe I will. Uh, next time I come on, I'm not going to do it here. I, cause I, the thing is, is I gotta, I gotta keep, you know, kind of my, my scruffy, um, you know, exterior. That's a, that's a big part of the brand, Pat. It is. And maybe don't have so many bacon neck shirts too. You're, you're looking like Charlie Sheen on the plane with MJ. <laughs> well, you know, it's something to take into consideration. I'll think about it. Well, Listen, when it comes to me and you give out bad advice, you need to have a good appearance. When you're you and you're winning, it doesn't matter what you look like as long as you got the goods. Let's talk about week 13. I was going to start with running backs, but let's just talk about the games as an overview. There's only like a few games projected over 50 points as a total right now, and some of them are like absolute blowouts. So 53 and a half is the highest over under of the week on the main slate for the Browns and the Titans. That is a scummy game to try to stack, though. Yeah. And, you know, I do think that like the fields have gotten a little bit sharper, so I don't think we see like a lot of Baker or anything, but I think we are going to see loads of Derrick Henry, obviously lots of Nick Chubb, um, but probably like some extra ownership on Jarvis Landry. The guy in that game that would seem super interesting to me would be AJ Brown, because I would guess that he doesn't end up being popular. I would guess that he sees sub 5% for sure, like sub 8% ownership in the Millionaire Maker in the Pat Mayo Invitational, like all those tournaments. So I, I, AJ Brown to me seems like the most interesting guy from that game. It depends on how popular the Tannehill stack is, I think, as it pertains to yeah. AJ Brown's ownership. Like the guy that no one's going to use is Jonu, who doesn't even catch balls anymore. But does that really matter at tight end? Because no one catches balls outside of Kelsey? Well, the thing is, is Jonu has seen his targets trend like way down. So he, he injured his ankle in that uh, in that Indianapolis game. I guess he did score a touchdown against Baltimore, but they, it seems like the ankle injury is um, impacting him right now. But it, I'm not thinking about like cash game. I'm thinking about tournaments. And if you are going to do the A.J. Brown or just have the passing game of the Titans in lieu of having Derrick Henry and maybe bring it back with Nick Chubb, maybe, maybe that's the way that you want to play it. Instead of Corey Davis, maybe you go with Jonu and you know, hope he doesn't end up putting the zero because he's still a big play threat in this situation. Like you're not looking for seven for 89 and a touchdown from Johnny. You're looking for like two for 80 and two touchdowns. I mean, if you really want to get disgusting, um, I, I would say the more disgusting and interesting option would actually be Anthony Furtzer, who is the tight end minimum and uh, had five targets in the game against Baltimore. He saw a big reduction in playing time last week against Indianapolis, I guess because um, the team started playing Jeff Swaim, who saw three targets, caught all three of them for, for 30 yards and played 64% of the snaps. So maybe maybe I'm touting Jeff Swaim on, on, uh, on the show. I mean, I don't mean to be doing it, but I do actually kind of think one of those guys, depending on who you think plays more, is, is a little bit interesting because tight end is so bad. Colts and Titans is 51 as well. How much concern do you have for this Texans passing game, specifically Deshaun Watson without Will Fuller in terms of the upside that he can provide at quarterback? 
Um, I am legitimately concerned. The thing is, though, is so much of that concern is going to be drowned out by how cheap it is to double stack him, right? So if we go Deshaun Watson, if we go Brandon Cooks, and then literally any other player, right? Aikens, Fells, Cutie, it doesn't matter. These guys all cost way below, you know, the average cost of a roster spot. So you're talking years like then you can double stack Deshaun Watson. You could even do an Indianapolis bring back. So we got Pittman Jr. at 4,900, um, Trey Burton at 3,500, like super cheap bring back options. And then you can play that stack with Derrick Henry, with Nick Chubb, with Devonte Adams. Like it, it leaves you a lot of flexibility. So I think some of the, the mid, like the concerns about playing without Fuller, which are very real. I mean, if you, I don't know how much I believe in this stuff, but if you go look at Deshaun Watson's like career splits when Fuller's on the field and when he's off the field, they're massive. It's like it's it's like uh, Tom Brady's um, on-off splits with Rob Gronkowski. Like it's absolutely massive. Yeah, he averages half the amount of touchdown passes per game when Fuller is on the field versus off the field. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's like, because and it, it totally makes sense too. Like, it's not one of those things where you're like, oh, you know, why would that be true? It's like, well, Will Fuller is probably one of the five best, like, deep route runners in the NFL. And, you know, he showed this year he is an incredibly good possession wide receiver as well. Uh, and then you're, you're talking about turning that role over to Kiki Cutie or maybe Isaiah Coulter. So, you know, those guys are going to be 20% as good as Fuller or whatever. So the other high projected total game is Jags Vikings. It looks like Conley and Shark returned to limited practice on Thursday. So we're not sure about what their status is going to be, but it doesn't. When we think about the game total of this game, it's 52 and a half. The Vikings are favored by 10 points as well. And Thielen appears like he's going to return to the Vikings this week as well, coming off the COVID-19 positive test. And that that really fun internet video where people just complained about the position of his TV because people really have nothing to do with their time at this point. But Jag side of the ball, if Glennon's starting, like Glennon wasn't a travesty last week. He got the ball to the players. That's all you really want, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he missed my guy Keelan Cole a bunch, but he, he like, I think the most, the best thing you can say about Glennon is that he was taking a bunch of chances. He was trying to push the ball down the field. And, you know, with, with that being true, uh, like, that's, that's definitely what you want. I'm super interested in the Jag side of this game because I think we're going to see Dalvin Cook be popular. Obviously, we are going to see Justin Jefferson be popular. I mean, he has been like a slot machine for fantasy football players this year. He is not disappointed as a chalk player once. And guys who don't disappoint when they're chalk continue to get more and more owned because that's just how our lizard brains work. And I, I'm super interested in Thielen as well. I imagine Thielen is going to obviously be lower owned than our guy, Justin Jefferson, but the Jaguars side of the game. I mean, I uh, James Robinson is the cover of my GPP article on daily Roto this week. And not, not even so much like, just cause like, I mean, he is a great play, but I just need to remind myself to play this guy, Pat, he gets 25 touches every single game. Why am I not just playing James Robinson literally every game? I think it's and last week as Chalky came through, which is going to be huge in increasing his ownership even more. But there's always the thing that's like, ah, he's on the Jags. Needed, am I really going to believe this? Are his 25 touches as yep. valuable as 16 from Aaron Jones? And it turns out, yeah, they are. Yeah, I mean, it, it literally, I do think it comes down to like, what what good does 25 touches on the Jaguars do for us? And, uh, you know, the answer is quite a lot because this dude has had double digit PPR points in every single game this year. He has eight touchdowns. He's going to hit like 1,300 scrimmage yards. I mean, he is, he's just been crushing. And 
Um, obviously, people I, I something I have noticed this year is people do not play wide receivers or running backs really coming back from injury. So I bet that as a bring back, we see 3% ownership on DJ shark. That might even be high, like in single entry stuff. So I will, I will definitely be pretty aggressive with DJ shark this week, especially in lineups that have Justin Jefferson in them. Yeah. This was something I pointed out last week and why essentially you should just play Austin Eckler in every single lineup because his ownership will be one third, what it actually should be at this price. You do run the risk that he continues to not be completely healthy and he has a bad game, but listen, I pick guys who have bad games all the time. I'd rather risk it on this guy at the opportune time at the good price and hopefully ends up coming through. Now he didn't find the end zone. That didn't really seem to matter with Austin Eckler a week ago in terms of how he put up fantasy points, but we've seen it with Dalvin cook. We've seen it with Christian McCaffrey. We've seen it with Nick Chubb and now Austin Eckler. I don't know if the injured receiver coming back fits that trend, but it seems like the stud running back the week coming off of injury where no one really wants to use him because they haven't seen him in a while. I don't know if he's hurt or not. That's the week to use someone. Yeah, I mean that that's just that's just great advice in general, right? Is just like uh, guys with high ceilings. If people aren't going to be playing them, uh, you should be playing them at that time. And I feel um, I feel personally aggrieved that Eckler didn't uh, didn't like mega smash last week because I had him in the two hundred dollar spy last week with Derrick Henry, with Patrick Mahomes, and with Tyree Kill. And uh, I just I just needed some more mega smashes in that lineup and uh, didn't quite get there. How high did you end up finishing in that? Uh, not that high because I had Chris Godwin in that lineup. I think it had Demarcus Robinson as well, a defense with like negative points. Like it was, it was one of those lineups where you look at it and you're like, if I would have just had like my dog's nose randomly pressing the screen to select players, I would have had a, a, you know, a team that could have you know, one, but you know, instead my, my uh, galaxy brain just got me a bunch of players that scored six points. Why? Well, I'm interested. In it was con- terrible in a contest like that. Which spy did you end up playing? Like how many entries were going to be in that? I believe it was the 3000 entrance one. Okay. Like if that type of tournament at that price dollar with only 3000 people in it, should you be like over stacking games or can you kind of get it? Like why Demarcus Robinson and why so- that kind of thing? So actually in the non-lottery field, so like, you know, like 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 people, I actually think that double stacking is better because you can win that field with like 80th percentile outcomes, right? You don't have to get the nut player at every single spot. You don't have to have, you know, the six highest scoring players of the slate the way you would in the slant in the millionaire maker, you know, these fields with 20,000 entrants, 30,000 entrants, 100,000 entrants. So what what the um the the double stacking and the bringbacks do is it gives you 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 have to be less about uh you have to be right about fewer things. Like if you just get the double stack and your bringback right, that's going to lock you into like a good team and then you know your one-offs obviously have to do their job as well. My none of my none of my one-offs did well last week. Like none of the guys I liked, Michael Pittman, Brian Hill, like just they were all bad last week, um which kept me from making a, a lot of money despite, you know, having the having the the game stacks right um which is you know pretty frustrating but i do think that the you know really embracing correlation in the 1000 to 5000 person fields is a really intelligent way to go about things i'm not down on the double stack i'm just curious why demarcus robinson with sammy Watkins back uh I mean, just well, he actually did play a lot. Like Demarcus, like we can't get rid of him. Demarcus Robinson is like a cockroach in Kansas City. Like no matter what happens, he's just gonna play. 
um, you know, about 50% of the snaps and kind of because they uh, don't really like. Yeah, he played 72% of the snaps last week with Watkins and Hardman back. I mean, like, it's just one of those things where I, I really it's taking an L on McCall Hardman is kind of why I played D-Rob. All right. Let's just talk about running backs starting at the top. You got Dalvin Cook is the most expensive guy. And he's probably going to be the highest owned of the running backs as well, because that's just what happens every single week. Now, Derrick Henry at 92 finally got that price bump. Chubb is at 77. We're not sure whether or not Josh Jacobs is going to play at the Jets, which opens up Devonta Booker at 5,500 bucks. If there is no Jacobs, is he a lock for every lineup? Um, I well, OK. I don't know if a lock for every lineup, if Jalen Richard is also inactive or limited or whatever, he would be a lock for every lineup. I, the He doesn't look that great in our projections right now. And I'm not sure if I'm missing something with his rates. Like I need, I probably need to, to work on him a little bit more, but he's a guy that I would be willing to play like better than the projections. Cause I think, I think Booker has been really solid this year. And I also think that Gruden is one of those coaches that like, Richard will come in and just stay in the same role that he'd been in before he missed these last two games with a chest injury. Cause we saw them. We saw this happen last year with Deandre Washington, where Jacobs missed the final two games of the year. Washington came in basically just played the Josh Jacobs role, but actually was even more involved as a wide receiver and just crushed. He would be probably my, my favorite running back play of the week. I think. All right. So after him, James Robinson, who's your cover boy in the GPP article, then you have Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler and Elvin. Kamara at $7,000. Unplayable, Elvin Kamara? So, you know, I think he is unplayable if we think he is going to be like 10% owned. I, if he is going to be 3% owned, I would be interested a little bit. So that's kind of something where we just have to see, you know, what happens on these tout shows for the rest of the week. He seems strong just because I think that you know, of all these running backs, right? Guys like Carson, guys like Montgomery, guys like Gallman, guys like Duke Johnson, Giovanni Bernard, like all these running backs who are going to pull two to 5% ownership. He probably has the best chance at what well, he hundred percent has the best chance at going nuclear, right? Cause Kamara can score long touchdowns. Um, this should be like a more, the most competitive game that Taysom Hill has played in. Although we kind of thought that the last time they played the Falcons and it didn't come true, but yeah, I mean, I, you have to like him if he is going to go like legitimately like not owned. I don't even know about that. Just what, if he's not breaking out the long touchdowns, like you say, and you would need that as the path for him to get there. Uh, he he possesses zero floor. Like he can sink your lineup. And it's not like he's cheap like the other guys. He's expensive. Yeah, I mean he literally has no floor. I mean he had six points in. Um, he had six points in their last game. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. I think that he could destroy your lineups. Like I I think he could be end up being you know like one of the worst plays on the slate basically like, uh, in like, terms of like points per dollar. Instead of playing him. At 7,000, why not just play Latavius Murray at 59? Like, if, if he's not catching passes, what differentiates him from Latavius Murray at this point? The big playability. I mean, that would be that would be the only thing is, is just that, you know, it, it's not it's not out of the range of outcomes that Alvin Kamara could have two touchdowns from, you know, 50-plus yards or whatever. That seems like a very low probability of happening, especially around the players around him who aren't super 
popular as well. Like, I don't know how many people are now going to go to Eckler against New England at 7,100. You'd be shocked at how the public perceives a $1,000 price increase in a player when their name isn't Derrick Henry. And even Derrick Henry is probably not going to be super owned compared to Dalvin Cook because it's just an uncomfortable price from where you're used to seeing him. And like you had mentioned before, everyone's going to be on James Robinson. There's only so many of these guys that you can own that you'd be probably better off playing Eckler or even Aaron Jones over Kamara. Oh, I mean, yeah, but I think the problem is, is Aaron Jones is going to be super popular. He I, is. Gonna, I, I don't know about like, I, what do you when you say super popular? Like, give me an ownership projection for the Millionaire Maker. Eleven percent. So generally, when I think about someone being super popular, I think of it as being someone who people are going to play in their cash game lineups because a lot of the times, uh, first of all, people just uh, you know enter their their cash game lineups into these big field tournaments, and then also those are going to be like you know the best points per dollar values in optimizers that people use and Aaron Jones is going to be one of the three highest um you know points per dollar values in any optimizer this week I think because he's, he's so cheap I would think that Eckler probably has a better cash game probability than Aaron Jones just in my mind I don't know yeah, if I would more I would rather use Eckler in a cash game than use Aaron Jones at this point I I agree with you for sure I also just think that we are going to see a drift towards the Packers overall being chalky this week because it doesn't like, you know, with the fuller injury, uh, uh, the Seahawks are giant favorites. Kyler Murray has been terrible against the Rams and is hurt. Like I don't see a, a super popular quarterback slot. So I think a lot of that's going to funnel to Aaron Rodgers, which I think is going to just increase the Packers ownership. Like as a, as a whole, are you convinced Dalvin cook's going to play this week? Uh, yeah, I think he'll play. I don't think he's a uh, super great play though. Like I was just kind of looking at some stuff this week as I was working on projections and generally speaking, when we play a running back that is this expensive, it's been because they, you know, right. We're going back to like 2016 with David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell 2019 with Christian McCaffrey. Like they catch tons of passes, right? Like they have like a 19% target share or something like that. But Dalvin cook only has a 12.5% target share and so much, I mean, really, he's kind of just like Derrick Henry, where all of his equity is tied into scoring these long touchdowns. And in weeks where he does not score long touchdowns, uh, you know, he gets 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 points, which definitely does not cut it for his salary. Well, that it's kind of, I mean, Cook had cut above with Henry and Chubb being the next two in terms of pricing. But Henry and Chubb are essentially the same player at this point. Um, yeah. And I, you know, for, for the same player, I guess I would rather take cook because he can catch five passes and Derrick Henry never can, but I mean, you know, cook will probably be 10% more owned in like single entry stuff, 5% more owned in the Millie maker. I would think it's probably going to be even more like if you give DraftKings players a choice at the very top and it's between cook and Henry, which it is this week, I would say, Four out of five people will take Cook. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think actually you're probably right. Like, I'm probably even underestimating it a little bit. So that, uh, you know, that that probably makes some sense. I just, when I look at the top three guys, I don't particularly know who I like to use. I think I would just prefer to play James Robinson and Austin Eckler together. Yeah, I mean, those are, I'm sitting here looking at my placeholder lineup to enter games in with this week, and the three guys we discussed, Devontae Booker, Austin Eckler, James Robinson, are the three running backs that I have sitting there in my placeholder lineup, so I'm, I'm with you 100%. If Jacobs is active and doesn't miss this week, can you feasibly use him? Because he's been god-awful anytime he's been on the injury report. 
Um, yeah, but like, yeah, I think you, I think you can, but like, I hate Josh Jacobs. I, he has been, he has been so brutal to me this year. Like I, I have not gotten him in one good lineup all year long. Um, so I, I probably wouldn't honestly, like, I think I would rather just go like 80% of my teams having Eckler as opposed to diversifying down to Josh Jacobs, unless, Unless, of course, I think Josh Jacobs is going to be like 1% owned or something, he, he, then I would maybe he, put him on one If team. he's active, he will be 1% owned. Well, there, I, I've talked myself into playing him on one team. Don't maybe do like it. the $50 don't single do entry. Don't do it. Just don't play him. All right. Well, there we go. I'll play. I, I won't do it. I, I don't like him anyways. I have a negative bias for Josh Jacobs anyway, so this is not hard for me. There's a little mini tier here sandwiched between the two guys that aren't on the slate anymore and Connors and Antonio Gibson. You got Miles Sanders, DeAndre Swift, and Chris Carson at 67, 65, and 63. I think you can make compelling cases for all three of these guys in the good and the bad. Like, with Sanders, just like he's dropping passes, he's not even getting like targets that are catchable. But this is a fantastic matchup. Like everyone who didn't want to play David Montgomery last week doesn't want to play Miles Sanders this week. But it just takes one, and we know that Sanders can still do that. I've just, you know, I'm like everyone else. I'm terrified of it. Um, I'm not terrified of Miles Sanders so much, but just like. I mean, do we think that the Eagles can even score? Like, I think the Eagles are so bad. I think Carson Wentz is so bad that I would rather play someone. Like, I literally think I would maybe even rather play, like, Wayne Gallman, honestly, which is disgusting, but I really think I would. Okay, how about Swift, then? If Swift returns this week, does he get his old rollback? And this is a tougher matchup against Chicago. People are going to be like, oh, Chicago, they're too good. You can't play people against them. But if Swift is doing what we want him to do, he's going to do most of his damage through the passing game. Yeah, well, I mean, here's a here's a narrative for uh, for all the folks, right? So we we get Matt Patricia fired, right? We we figure everything out, and you, you got the dead cat bounce of the angry team playing the the we hated our coach game for uh, for DeAndre. So I do think he does probably get basically his old rollback, like where he he plays sixty percent of the snaps and is out there, but he is still in the concussion protocol as of the time you and I are recording this. So I, I'm not super optimistic on him making it back. And I don't want to go to maybe carry on. Yeah, I probably don't even want to do that. Chris Carson is 63. If he, if he was 4K, if carry on was 4K, I, I think he would be in play, but he's bumped up to 4.4 now. Uh, well, you have Chris Carson as well, who's still now back on the injury report after the game against the Eagles that I don't know what his split is going to be. Although it does seem like, the Seahawks want to run more than ever. If Carlos Hyde is going to be seeing more touches than him, that, that's not great for Chris Carson. Yeah, um, I actually probably, I need to work on that in our stuff right now because Carson is showing up as a pretty big value, but Hyde out-touched him and out-snapped him by like a pretty significant margin last week. And maybe there's room for both of them to get there because we do have Pete Carroll, you know, doing the, uh, you know, we we want to run the ball. The, and every December, Pete Carroll gives that quote, you know, the we want to have... 50 plus rushes and completed passes. That's like our, our magic number. That's like this, this dumbass thing that Pete Carroll says every year in December. And uh, yeah, we're, we're getting to that time of year where Pete Carroll's ready to put Russ back in the garage. 5k. I talked about Latavius Murray. I don't think he's a terrible option if you don't want to use Kamara, but after that, you got like Duke, Kenyon Drake, Jonathan Taylor, Gallman, Montgomery, Booker, Hunt, Naheem Hines, Carlos Hyde. It does look like Jonathan Taylor is going to be back this week. If, Jacobs is out. Everyone will gravitate towards Booker. But should the yeah. guy that everyone 
is actually should be gravitating towards is David Montgomery because I I just objectively like David Montgomery at fifty five hundred bucks in this matchup. Like if we're gonna talk about guys getting the ball all the time, there, there's no one to take your boy CPAT, your your Eskimo brother is not taking the ball away from him now. Uh yeah, I mean I won't I won't play one team with David Montgomery on it, but I totally get it. Like it's a good matchup. He plays eighty percent of the snaps. He's gonna get fifteen carries. Gonna get five targets kind of a james robinson-esque situation i i get it i thought he'd be a lot more expensive than this and he's not that i if jacobs is out out and you want to get off the ownership of booker or montgomery if they're both popular i think you can just play them both together if you wanted to and go for a more expensive stack yeah i i think that i think that makes sense for sure like do you have a feel for the colts backfield like will this continue to be naheem hines I would well. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is off of the COVID list. I, the problem with Hines now is he's getting he's getting a little pricey, right? Fifty three hundred, like uh, forty six hundred, very palatable for ninety Hines. But I guess if you are um, if you're stacking the Texans, if you're like if you have uh, you know Watson and Cooks in a lineup, Hines and Pittman would probably be the two guys. One Burton would be the guys I would bring back because you know Hines is regardless of what Jonathan Taylor does, he is going to be big time involved in the passing game. All right, so after that, you have like Gurley, Gio Bernard, and actually a pretty decent matchup against the Miami Dolphins, who can be had on the ground. I don't hate that all that much. And even Damian Harris against the Chargers, he doesn't do what we want as a DraftKings player, but he's getting a high percentage of the snaps. Maybe James White won't score two goal line touchdowns this week in a really weird circumstance. But the Dolphins backfield was one I really wanted to hammer on because I don't know if Gaskin's going to be back or not. But it looks like Salvan Ahmed will be back. If Gaskin is out again, I think you could play him at 5,000, no problem. You, you think you think Ahmed would be the guy you're, you're not you're not worried about, um, you know, uh, DeAndre Washington getting some more touches after last week? Nope. Yeah, uh, if you're not worried about that at all, it seems strong. And it is, you know what? Actually, it's probably even such a good matchup where um, both of them can do well. So I actually, you know what? As I'm sitting here looking at it, that's pretty sneaky. I'm, I'm actually with that one. I think that I think that's a pretty good play. I also think that if Gaskin plays, you play Gaskin. Yeah, if Gaskin plays, he is a smash and will be uh, sub 1% owned in single entry tournaments. And even in the Millionaire Maker, he'll be like sub 3% owned as well. He just kind of fits the narrative of he was the workhorse before he got hurt. He's coming back. Everyone wants to wait and see what happens. Just use the guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, 100%. I mean, that that should be, Pat, that should be like your new bit. It's just like play running backs in their first game back from injury when no one else is going to do it. It's, so far, it's, it's hitting at it like good running backs, like workhorse running backs, like because everyone's like, well, sure. well, will they get the roll back? Well, if they had the roll before, there's probably a reason for that. The coaching staff likes them enough. And if they've been on IR and they weren't activated prematurely, which Gaskin hasn't been, you would just assume he gets his old roll back. Like, were they so impressed by DeAndre Washington against the Jets, the fact they couldn't even use him the week before? Uh, although they could have. They decided, no, 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 we're going to continue to give Ahmed all these touches. DeAndre Washington, you're just so good. We're going to keep you in the garage. Like, no, that's not how it works. Yeah, I like generally speaking, these coaches like to reward the guys who have performed well all year. Like they like it's not like the coaching staff has like some undying allegiance to Savan Ahmed. Any four K running backs that like and don't say Cam Akers, just don't do it. Uh, it you're would not, be you're not playing Cam Akers. You're just not. Uh, no, for me, it would be it would be carry on. Um, 
or if Swift is out. Yeah. And then, you know what? If Gurley misses again, uh, I would not surprise me if one of Hill or Ito has, you know, an 18 PPR point game. Who would it be? Ito? Because the thing that I really noticed from watching that offense without Todd Gurley is that we got we fell into the trap of thinking, oh, well, Brian Hill has been used as this pass catching back all season long in lieu of Todd Gurley and spelling him when they're down in games that, of course, he's just going to retain a lot of value PPR wise because he's going to have like four or five catches or at least four or five targets. And without Gurley around, he'll get all the goal line work. But all of a sudden, Brian Hill just took the Todd Gurley role of just running it in between the tackles and Ito took the Brian Smith role. Brian Hill role. Um, well, so Hill played like the whole game for the first two and a half quarters. And then Ito played the two minute drill at the end of the second, at the end of the second quarter before, uh, the start of the second half. But Ito got like, he scored the touchdown in garbage time. Like he, he, cause Hill was bad in that game. Like basically what happened is Hill just played really bad, was not like, just did not look good, was not playing well in pass protection. So Ito just played over him but i i wonder if like i i wonder basically if hill does retain some of those high value touches like i know ito scored the touchdown from 12 yards out but i i would think probably that hill would get the first crack at the goal line this week i don't really know though like i don't i don't i have ito projected for more points right now than brian hill but i don't have much conviction in that projection if Gurley misses i could probably just make this easy on everyone and don't play either of them that's, I mean, yeah, that's probably easier. That seems smarter. Yeah, that's just don't avoid this situation because it's not like it's a fantastic matchup anyway. Saints D, yeah, really no, good. It's, it's it's bad. Yeah, they're the number one DVOA defense. Wide receivers for Week Thirteen. Devonte is at the top. He's nine thousand bucks. DK is inching up there though. Eighty-two. Keenan just stuck at eighty-one. Hopkins, AJ Brown, Tyler Lockett, Adam Thielen. Calvin Ridley, and then Michael Thomas at $7,000. And then your boy, Justin Jefferson's up to $6,900. i am kind of with you that no one's going to use Adam Thielen coming back from COVID. No one's going to use Adam Thielen. And also, DK Metcalf had 83% of Seattle's air yards last week. He's the wide receiver five in PPR on the season. And, like, literally, dude, no one's playing him. Like, against, against the Giants this week, he will be – 2% owned. Um, maybe not even that high in some contests. Like, just won't be owned. No one will play him. So, that that's where I, I will just be uh, playing him this week and living with the results if he does poorly. Is it just that people are going to go to Lockett instead because he's cheaper and doesn't get Bradbury? People will... Well, the biggest thing is that people uh, are going to play Devontae Adams. We already talked about the semi-popularity of A.J. Brown with the Tannehill stacks. Uh, don't think too many people will play DeAndre Hopkins. A lot of people, though, will be playing Keenan Allen. A lot of people are going to be playing Justin Jefferson. Like, it's just hard to get DK Metcalf in a lineup with those guys. So, I just uh, he just is going to get – he's going to slip through the cracks. How competitive do you think Atlanta is going to be against New Orleans? Well, you know, I, I just think Taysom is not this good, right? Like, last week was basically a scrimmage. Like, I don't really count that game at all. I would imagine that Atlanta is going to be much more competitive in this game than they were in the game two weeks ago. But, you know, I, I do I really know? No. I, I mean, I think that probably they're competitive enough to, you know, I don't know, keep the both offenses trying to score in the fourth quarter, but I don't know for sure. If that's the case, then why not Michael Thomas, who seems to be the only player that Taysom Hill will actually throw to? 
Yeah, Michael Thomas does look pretty strong this week, doesn't he? Uh, 7,000 has like this just enormous target share. If this does turn into one of those classic high-scoring Superdome games, I mean, he's going to be way under-owned. I, I'm with you there for sure. It's just, can he get the touchdown or not? Because it's probably, if it's going to be a competitive game, this feels like a 12-catch, 132-yard on 17 target game for Michael Thomas. Yeah, it does. It really does. Just all come down to touchdowns. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think probably at the goal line, it's going to be Taysom Hill. Uh, like if they're at the, yeah, if they're at the four yard line, it's Taysom Hill or it's Latavius Murray. Like, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that our boy plays in all that much, probably. Hmm. So you'd have to score from nine yards out on a slant. But I think it's a pretty decent price yeah. for someone with that sort of target share. 100%. Yeah, it is. It is a really decent price. I mean, I actually know it's better. It's a very good price. It's just the Saints passing offense offense efficiency has been so low overall. Like the he has a a large chunk of a very small pie at the moment basically. Sure, but a lot of that has to do with some of these games being non-competitive. Like how many times uh, how many yeah, times I mean, was that- Taysom Hill realistically going to throw against Denver last week? Yeah, I mean, I, he, he's literally probably only dropped back, like, you know, what, uh, 40 times total in these two games? Yeah, and he's not good, so, you know, the higher percentage passes and the higher percentage routes would presumably go to Michael Thomas, because that's his bread and butter, where even in the first game with Taysom Hill, we saw, like, bombs to Emmanuel Sanders, just like, hey, let's just go up and get it if you can, I'm just going to throw it as far as I can. Like, that's the other route that he throws. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, that that's true. <laughs> So what do you do at wide receiver as a whole? Because we talked about these expensive running backs. Maybe you can go into the $5,000 level. We talked about a few different stacks. Like, is Brendan Cooks going to be one of the highest owned guys on this slate? He would have to be, right? Yeah, I he will be the highest owned wide receiver. I would, him or Justin Jefferson. Then why not Devontae Parker at 64? Presuming Fitzpatrick plays again. Um... He was great last week. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't have an, I don't have an argument against it. Like he, and and especially because he has just crushed when Fitz has been under center. I mean, you probably don't want him as much with Tua. No, you definitely don't want him with Tua. It's almost like the Rams guys. Like one of these Rams guys is going to have a big game. Woods is the most consistent, but like the pop-off games tend to go to Cooper Cup. I just don't know what to make of that game. Because like you said, Kyler's been bad against the Rams. He has this shoulder injury that really seemed like he did not want to take a hit last week. Like he just wasn't running. Um, yeah, he didn't run and he didn't do that. He did. He did that the week before as well. Um, and it, it changes the whole dynamic of their offense, right? Uh, he ran only, yeah, five rushing attempts in each of the last two games, whereas he was in the double digits in the prior four games. Like it's a big deal. So we have some of these injured guys. Uh, we didn't even really bring up Julio. I don't think that he's going to end up playing like these hamstrings tend to last two weeks. Maybe Maybe he's superhuman, but maybe he ends up going. DJ Chark at 54 looks like he could be back with this ribs injury and Mike Glennon under center. Then you have Kenny Galladay, who, what is he, at my grandma's hip? Why isn't he back yet? Well, I mean, would you want to be rushing back to play for this Detroit Lions team? No, I don't is, blame is, him. Is he a free agent at the end of the year? He is a free agent at the end of the year. Where is he going to go? It's got to be the Jets, right? The Jets will throw the bag at him. Does anyone want to play for the Jets? I mean, look, dude, if the Jets offer you as a wide receiver, like some absurd guaranteed money, like, yeah, you'll go, you'll go play for the Jets. Yeah. I was actually thinking about when we were talking through the stacks that everyone is so fed up with Der- Derek Carr after last week that Raiders passing stack might be a play here because the Jets are awful. 
yeah, the Jets are so bad. They don't put up any resistance in any format. And, um, you know, spe- specifically Darren Waller, who is, you know, the best tight, the best projected tight end of the week by, you know, three or four points or whatever. Uh, he should be, you know, again, not correspondingly all that owned. And you all like the Jets, you know, you, you just play Denzel Mims as your bring back and, and wait for uh wait for the, the miracle to happen. Yeah, I ended up doing the, like a mini version of that. Like instead of playing like I had my main stack and the bring back, but I also played Perriman and Parker as a part of that as well. Just one guy on the Jets, one guy on the Dolphins. Hopefully there's a lot of points there and everything funnels through them. Got the Parker part right. What happened to Jamison Crowder? Uh, Well, the thing is, is that Jamison Crowder is not good. He like, is, he is he's good, fine. though. He's played with crappy quarterbacks in both of his spots, and he's been good almost every year. So... He's he's definitely good at getting targets when he's playing with um you know Jeff Smith and uh who's the other outside wide receiver for the Jets to start the year? I can't even Vincent uh, Smith. Chris Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan. So he's really good at getting targets when he's playing with absolute nobodies, but when he's playing with Brashad Perryman, when he's playing with Denzel Mims, you know, good wide receivers who actually can get open down the field. Let's let's calm down on how good Brashad Perryman is, all right? He's had what four, good, is four per- good games in his six-year career. Well, the I actually think Perryman's pretty fine. Like he really his his only problems in the NFL has been drops and injuries. Like, but I think he's pretty good at getting open. Um, and the results this year when he's been on the field have shown that. So Crowder's just not going to earn a big target share, especially playing with Mims. I mean, playing with like a real like Mims looks like a at least like he could develop into a real NFL. You know, top. 20 ish talent at wide receiver like Crowder's just not going to earn an absurd target share playing with someone like that just looking at the Perriman numbers right now 79 yards 54 yards 101 27 62 12 and 17 he is like an all pro like he's I mean you like he is fine but just playing with other fine wide receivers makes Crowder expendable all right Sterling Shepard against the Seahawks Ah, Colt yeah, McCoy, yeah. little action here. Yeah, I think I think Sterling Shepard could have one of uh, could have a Crowder game, right? Yeah, Twelve did. targets, yeah. uh, ten receptions, eighty-four yards. Well, is, is something going on with Slayton? Like, is he secret hurt? I I don't even think it's secret. I think he 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 has not been the same since the Cowboys game where he uh he he hurt his I don't remember if it was an Achilles or a foot like so he had some lower body injury and basically has not been good since that game has been um running you know uh, running empty calorie routes since that game. So the guys just below that, how popular does Lazard get? If you think that Aaron Rodgers is going to be popular, or do people just pass on him for Adams and Jones? Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't get popular at all. He 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 should gets be. Owned it. He should he, be popular in this matchup. This is a great spot for him. Yeah, I mean, and he is uh, pretty good. I think, um, like, like certainly better than certainly better than Marquez Valdez Scantling. And it seems like Rodgers treats him that way too. Yeah, Rod, like he's he's uh, one of Rodgers. I mean, this just the deal with him, right? He just has his binky guys, and Outlaw Lazard looks like. He is one of his binky guys. So this range is really intriguing because you have Aguilar, who should be able to, you know, if you can guess the right Aguilar game, he's against the Jets. That's fantastic news. Then you have Corey Davis, Lazard, and Michael Pittman, all like back to back to back in the pricing. It's a decent range. You could use almost any of those guys. 
Yeah, Pittman, uh, I already alluded to it, but he would definitely be the guy that I would be interested in in this range. But for Las Vegas wide receivers, I would just um, I would just play rugs and just hope that he breaks one. Like, I, I know I know he's he literally has had a good game, but I, I would definitely do that. Yeah, I, I understand the logic behind it, but what if he's not good? Well, I don't think he is good right now. I, I don't think he. I don't think he is at all. I why, think he why is, are you trying to play um, not good players? Because he doesn't. Um, he doesn't uh, need to be good to get there because of the way he gets his targets. Like if he gets there, it's going to be because he caught two balls sixty yards down the field. Like Devery Henderson wasn't good, but he would get there twice a year just because he would get those deep throws. Yeah, but how deep are the targets realistically? Like, it felt like that Ruggs caught a bomb last week. It was like a 31-yard throw. Um, It's, well, so remember, he was banged up for a little while, um, and that definitely played into it, but his average depth of target is pretty large. Uh, Yeah, his ADOT right now. 18.3 for the season. Yeah, I mean, that is, that's like, that's a giant ADOT. Like, that is, that would be... Amongst players with at least 10 targets, that is uh, number two behind John Hightower. Okay, so I think you're kind of getting to the point here where he's kind of like a part-time player as a part of this passing game, where Aguilar's dot is like 14 and a half, so it's still pretty large, plus they use him in the red zone. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that you're wrong to want to play Aguilar ahead. I'm just saying, like, just because of the person I am, I'm just gonna go with Rugs because, because like, okay, so like a good Aguilar game, like, what, what would you say a good Aguilar game would be? Like, uh, 19, like you'd be, you'd be like 19, like, good job, Aguilar, right? No, I, I would think that if you get the good Aguilar game, you get two touchdowns, and they come from like 15 yards out, 10 yards out. They just use them as a red zone presence, so you end up like a six for 90 and two touchdowns, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, I'm more thinking for rugs, it would be like four targets, two catches, 112 yards, two touchdowns. Well, that's great. This is my old Ted Ginn argument. It never really works out. So, yeah, we'll just project that out for anyone then. Let's go. Joe Reed. I don't know who that is. He apparently is on the Chargers. Well, 3,000. You know what? Four well, catches, 182 yards, two touchdowns. What a ceiling. The thing is, is like Ruggs actually does have that ceiling because of how he gets used. Now, that's like literally his 99th percentile ceiling. So I would probably only play him. I, I literally probably only play rugs in one lineup. Like if I make 10 single entry teams or three max teams or whatever, I would play him once with, uh, I'd probably even maybe play him as a one-off. I'm not sure about that, but I don't know. I just like, I've lost a lot of money on rugs this year. So I would like to get even as well. Uh, should I go back to Leone's boy, AJ green, 3,100 bucks. And what should be one of the tougher assignments <laughs> of the week? Oh, uh, man, AJ green. He is the worst. Yeah, I, I mean, there, there. I certainly have played worse thirty-one hundred dollar players, no doubt about it. Is there a reason to go into the three thousand dollar level at receiver here? Because you, I mean, Cutie is thirty-five. I'm yeah. assuming he's going to be popular. I don't know how good of a play he is, though. Yeah, hundred percent. There is reason um, because there. This is a week with a lot of good, expensive plays, and I think that again, Kiki will be pretty popular. And there are there are guys down here who I think can have some spike games, right? Andy Isabella played 57% of the snaps last week, almost scored actually on the Cardinals first play of the game, got tackled on like the five yard line, but uh, almost scored there. 
I, I think he, I think he is a decent play. I think Kiki is a decent play. And then also if you really wanted to just be a sicko with leverage, Isaiah Coulter should actually be, I, it would actually would not surprise me if Isaiah Coulter played more snaps than Kiki cutie this week, at, because he is like an outside wide receiver and Kiki is really only played in the slot for the Texans. So Coulter is a more natural replacement for Fuller. Hmm. Interesting. What about Isaiah Ford? Huh? Jakeem Grant? Uh, huh? Has he played yet? I don't, think, Port- I, he- I don't think he's been on the field. They've been using Dante Moncrief instead. <laughs> but eventually yeah, well, he'll have to be on the team. Why trade for him? Event. I mean, well, Belichick loves to waste picks on trading for wide receivers. That's like his thing. Eh, that's kind of true. Uh, tight ends. You said Waller. Obviously, he's the most expensive, and he's like not been good whatsoever. So that's that's yeah, that's has been bad. Beat. It's a tough beat. Although he's still the number two tight end on like yards per game, and it's like thirty. It's it's stupid. the worst. This is <laughs> this is the worst year of tight end scoring ever. It's like unbelievable. Like Dave, TJ Hawkinson, Davis. I am getting three. carried in my leagues by calling Travis Kelsey a first round pick this year and picking him at like tenth overall. Like that's actually I mean just straight me. up. <laughs> Like a great strategy because he's been the only tight end worth a shit all year. The is only he, guy. Has he been the most valuable fantasy player so far in season long? Like value wise? Mm, James Robinson, but Kelsey probably too. I'm just thinking about like value versus position. Just Kelsey as number one at his position versus everyone else at his position. Like you could theoretically make a case. He hasn't scored the most points, obviously. But I think just with the value that he provides over every other player at that position so far this season, obviously we didn't know that going in, that you could make a case for him that he could have went first overall with the way that he's outscored everyone. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he will be the, he will end up being the number one, um, like VBD, like value based drafting guy. Like his production versus the second IA score and the 12th IA score, he'll end up being the number one. But, James Robinson, my guess, is going to have the highest win rate because he was, you know, like the running back five in PPR and you got him off of waivers. You have to spend anything to get him. Him and early, early drafting Antonio Gibson. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Antonio Gibson is is um, a big part of the reason why I'm having such a good fantasy football year. Me too, actually. And that's a, that's a lot. Thanks to you after coming on talking about this. The zero RB thing that you pitched, uh, you and overzet and you got me into it as well it, it just made too much sense this season uh and unfortunately it's like the, it was the, everything was perfect yeah yeah just you know in a season where we don't know how injuries are going to go don't know how COVID is going to go we know that you can replace running backs you can't replace your other good position players just take those guys instead and figure it out later on made sense it, yeah and, you can't but, but, yeah. <laughs> but people will try to replicate that next year it's not going to work well, I actually think it still probably will because the the same thing is true that you can't you can't sub in Kiki Cutie and make him Will Fuller, but you can sub in Jordan Wilkins and make him Jonathan Taylor. It's just like the the thing with zero RB is that it just it just takes advantage of chaos. This just happened to be basically the most chaotic year for fantasy football due to a lot of circumstances. But you know, it's it's not like football is a non-chaotic event no but i think that we see less chaos especially on the injury front going into the 2021 season should things resume and being normal by that time that we've seen so many soft tissue injuries that are a clear result of no training camp and no preseason 
Well, and I mean, don't forget, like there's also been offenses ruined by injuries as well. Like Ezekiel Elliott would be having a great year. There would be other offenses having great years, but we've had quarterback injuries, right? Burrow got hurt. um, Dak got hurt. Like I'm just sitting here looking at um, teams with yards per play. Um, Yeah. I mean like, Oh, like Lamar has been terrible. Uh, That, that has influenced a ton of guys. Gardner Minshew was terrible. Yeah. I mean, like I, I do think that, next year we should see a lot more stability the thing is though is i still do think people are going to make the classic mistake of like oh i'm going to take leonard fournette in the third round i'm going to take Le'Veon bell in the fourth round i don't know who that's going to be next year um but people will do it i i took Le'Veon bell in the fourth round i wanted him or david montgomery and i wish i had just taken david montgomery well what if you had just taken dk metcalf instead he was going earlier than that uh well it depends on the format but yeah he was going he was going third fourth round depends on depends on who you were drafting with a lot of these you know a lot of these i ended up with like third fourth fifth i was just gathering a collection if i wasn't going like because i was not drafting a running back like you know in the first or second unless i had one of the top three picks then i ended up getting like shark mclaurin and robert woods in almost every league those were the three guys that yeah uh those were yeah, uh, uh, something that kept me from having a truly great year was Shark. Uh, Corlin Sutton tearing Sutton Sutton tearing his ACL. Like Shark has had a couple good games, but Sutton scored nine PPR points and then went on IR, which is um, it's not great, especially in best ball where the zeros are really really kill you. So at tight end, then if it's not Waller, who is it? Yeah, this is so disgusting, but I actually, I do really like Kyle Rudolph if Irv Smith Jr. doesn't play just because he's literally out there the entire game. And we, um, we have seen the Vikings open it up a little bit more in terms of passing the ball. Like they, they've, they've not been fully establishing it. I think Jordan Akins is a pretty good leverage play against Kiki Cutie. He's cheap. He had two touchdowns fall out of his hands last week. I think Hunter Henry's pretty strong, especially because I like Justin Herbert as a stack. Um, Gasicki, if Fitzgerald plays, I, I, or Fitzpatrick, I think is um, decent. And then Trey Burton as well against Houston. Do we know what's going on with Zach Ertz yet? Because he's practicing, but he might not come back. If not, just play Goddard. Um, yeah, I mean Goddard has had he Goddard literally played a hundred percent of the snaps in the Eagles last game, so I'm I'm with that. But it does seem like Ertz is trending towards coming back. Even if Ertz plays, though, isn't Goddard usually just good with Ertz anyway? Well, it's getting pretty crowded there now because Alshon's back playing snaps. They still give Greg Ward snaps. Rager's there. Fulgham's there. They throw to the running backs on like, you know, 15% of their passes. So it just it just starts to squeeze Goddard out a little bit. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of the other options. Like, yeah, I think that Rudolph would be the play if Herb Smith sits again. That's sad. Yeah. Hooper? Um, Austin yeah, Hooper? it is. But I mean... Yeah, Hooper. I, I mean, Cole Komet. Uh, for he, we saw the, we finally saw the flippening between uh, him and Jimmy Graham's playing time last week. Is there any quarterback you would play as a one-off, or like, is there any? You said you like Justin Herbert. Is he like your favorite guy to stack this week? Because he's a reasonable price. He's only sixty-nine hundred. Uh, yeah, he is my he is my favorite quarterback play this week relative to what I expect his ownership to be and what I expect his ceiling to be. Uh, the, the only quarterback I think I would play naked would be Taysom, but you don't even have to because Michael Thomas is so cheap. Yeah, I, I, like if you want to play a value quarterback, I do think that Derek Carr is a pretty live option here, especially uh, after a week where people played him and he was so god awful. He's fifty eight hundred bucks against the Jets. Wait, how good would you be doing on DraftKings this year if you just use quarterback versus the Jets every week? Versus the Jets, actually, I mean the best 
well, I don't know if he's like a value, but Fitzpatrick at 6,000 seems like the best, like non-elite quarterback. I was even thinking that if you want to get contrarian in that Texans and Cleveland game, that don't take the running backs, use Baker, use Landry, use Hooper, and bring it back with Derrick Henry, because that's a way to get to that game that no one else is going to have. Yeah, I mean, Baker will be one of the lowest owned quarterbacks, and he he's flashed a little bit of ceiling this year. Um, well, I guess he had five touchdowns against Cincinnati, but he this is wild. Baker is yet to have a 300-yard passing game this year. Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. Remember coming into the year, that was always the talk with Josh Allen. It's like, well, he's never thrown for over 300 yards in a game. How could he ever do that? Sometimes yeah. it just happens. I mean, I'm sure, like... Yeah, it's just totally random. I, I guess my the, your worry with Baker is that um, they even when they're trailing, they do really just use those running backs so much. Yeah, I suppose that's a good point. The only other one I can really see, like Trubisky kills the Lions. He actually does. That you go Trubisky, Allen Robinson. Yeah, I know. I get that he's terrible. He scored, what, like 26 fantasy points last week? Yeah, he uh, he manufactures his own garbage time and then um, just crushes it in garbage time, it's for the sure. J- it is the Jameis effect from last year. That's exactly what Jameis would do. He would create the garbage time and then throw for 400 yards. Literally, yeah. It's it's basically the same thing. I mean, uh, t- uh, Tuttle was was touting that on the Swolecast yesterday. I, I probably won't do it, but I, I do kind of like the theory. I don't Like, the Lions might be so bad to not even be able to get into garbage time, though. Trubisky, Allen Robinson, DeAndre Swift. There's your play. Yeah, that, and very low cumulative ownership on all of those guys. I would, th- I would hope so, because just saying it out loud sounds like a very terrible idea. Uh, defenses, cheapy. That, that's the that's the draw here. We got to smash the like and give me your cheap defense in the comment section. Nothing super sticks out to me. Do you think that the Chargers will force Cam to throw? Because they're only twenty six hundred. Uh, Chargers and then the Patriots too. Yeah, uh, because Herbert just but like they're expensive. Uh, no, they're twenty four hundred. Oh, they're twenty four hundred. Sorry, for, for some reason I read this thirty four hundred. Yeah, yeah that's good. Twenty four hundred. Yeah. And then I mean, I the Lions keep getting these cake matchups, right? Like they just keep getting they play all these terrible teams and they can't ever do anything. Like they played PJ Walker in his first NFL start. And got like got railroaded, but they they did come up with two end zone recept, uh, red zone interceptions. But twenty five hundred playing Trubisky, I mean, seems like a pretty decent chance of getting some turnovers and some sacks and stuff. I think I'd rather go anywhere else than go to the Lions. They just generate no pressure on the quarterback and the, the, no pressure. The, the, the two intercept the two red zone interceptions they had against PJ Walker. PJ Walker literally threw them the ball. There was no threw Carolina, it directly. Like to there was him. no Carolina yeah. receiver around. I I don't know who insight. It's like he got the uniforms mixed up based on those interceptions. Yeah, I mean it was it was um inexcusable. Like it was terrible, but I I do basically just play defense based on matchup. Like the the sack rate stuff is important. I guess if I if I was going to um pay for a defense, I guess it would be the Raiders against the Jets just cuz Darnold is so bad, but I don't know. I never pay up for defense. You know, actually, you know what? One angle I think is sort of interesting, I guess, would be the Seahawks against the Giants because the they won't be owned. Like, they will not be a popular – like, they'll be 2% or whatever, and, and they're going to face 40 Colt McCoy passing attempts. And all of a sudden, they're getting to the quarterback. Yeah, Jamal Adams. He's good. Maybe that's the play. Seattle D. 
it's going to feel really gross because they're going to like they will give up one terrible passing touchdown. Like, yeah, but one I, guy, I am like, relatively unconconcerned about how many points. The yeah, I don't like, care how many points. Are, how many points are the Giants going to put up? 50? No. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the worst you can do is minus four. So you get one pick six and it's fine. Let's see. Pressure rates from the defense. New England is second on this slate at 26 percent. No Pittsburgh, no Denver, no Tampa, and no Baltimore. They were the they're the other teams inside the top five right now. Uh, Philadelphia would be next. Kansas City not on the slate. Atlanta. What about Atlanta's D against Taysom Hill? Let's live in a world against Taysom where Atlanta yeah. jumps out fourteen nothing. What happens then? Uh, yeah, they probably tee off. All right. Yeah, they're getting a ton of pressure. I mean, objectively, I would like the Saints defense more, obviously, but. They're far more expensive. Yeah, Falcons, 25% pressure rate. Yeah, interesting. And, like, Dolphins' defense is just too expensive, right? 4400 hey, I mean, I can't, I can't play a $4,400 defense. Yeah. Seahawks, 33 I like that. I, like, I think that's where I'm going to go. Seahawks, 3300 bucks, Or the Browns against the Titans and almost sort of the same logic against uh like the falcons type thing that if the browns can jump out to a lead in this game they do a very bad job of protecting ryan Tannehill. it does look like miles garrett's gonna be back here yeah and the thing is is like i literally been waiting for the other shoe to drop with Tannehill for like 19 like the the whole time he's been on the titans so uh i i kind of i kind of like that angle too but that, I feel like that's a very minimal outcome, at least with the Seahawks. You know that they're going to be facing 40 pass attempts. Yeah, guaranteed. And they're going to be from Colt McCoy. Is Colt McCoy markably worse than Daniel Jones? Really? Um, he is worse at like generating positive plays, but he is probably better at not turning the ball over. Yeah, so like, I think I would actually rather have Daniel Jones be the starter. Daniel Jones, yeah. yeah. If I was going to use a defense to get him, because he'll do something like, well, Danny Fums always puts it on the ground. That's one thing you can guarantee on with him. It is it is unbelievable how much Daniel Jones fumbles the ball. Like, unbelievable. All right, I think that'll do it. Pat Mayo Experience, Davis Maddock, at Davis Maddock on the Twitter box. What do you got going on this week? Who's on the take cast? Uh, take cast was my guy, Four Verts, from For the Win USA Today's uh, NFL blog pretty good pretty good conversation we also lamented the inability to get playstation 5s just tilting tilting the piss out of me unable yeah, to get I mean, a ps5 what an adult problem to have oh i can't get my ps5 my life is very hard pat i live a very difficult day-to-day it, it, existence it sounds, and i need you to be more sensitive i feel like 2020 has been harder on you than anyone now yeah it's just you know it's very it's very hard i gotta wake up and i gotta you know get on target and best buy and walmart and amazon try and find a ps5 but you're using the stationary bike. That seems to be going well. Uh, yeah, the stationary dude. It's uh, I mean, it's like freaking 25 degrees here now. So I definitely would not be going on runs outside. the The recumbent bike is uh, so it's, it's a very good investment. I, I would say any of you guys out there, if you're worried about you know putting on that winter blubber, uh, I would definitely invest in uh in a bike. I I would have done a Peloton, but I. And I'm wondering if you agree with me on this. I, I absolutely fucking hate the idea of paying a monthly subscription to something that I already paid $2,000 for. Like, just absolutely not. Like, just I'm morally opposed to it. So I think it depends on how you work out. 
that if you're self-motivated enough to go do it and get like a cheaper exercise bike, I think that's fine. And then you don't need to pay the subscription fee because I'm kind of with you on that. But like at this time, like it's getting dark out early. It's fucking freezing where I'm at. Uh, I tore my calf, so I haven't been able to run for the past 10 weeks and my cardio is going to absolute shit. And once you start getting out of the rhythm of working out and doing certain things, it really is difficult to get back into it right away. Like I've still been able to lift weights, but I haven't been able to do any cardio, which just means I'm piling on weight at this point. So I do want to get some sort of cardio. And I was thinking about Peloton that even like if I do have to, was it 60 bucks a month for the... It's a lot. It's I a think lot it's, per month, it's, isn't it? Yeah, it's like it's like an unfucking reasonable amount. Like it's 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 enough to be like, and I wonder if maybe part of it is um, like they just if they've done the corporate analysis, being like, look, if someone's going to pay three thousand dollars for this bike, they'll pay whatever the monthly charges. Like, so they'll just charge whatever they want. Yeah, but I do get the group aspect and the someone pushing you aspect to it too. I don't sure. think I would need that every time. I think I would just need that need that as the runway to kind of get back into it. Then I wouldn't need it anymore. For like oh, two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if I would do you, like, do you have to pay for it every month or can you just use the Peloton? That I have not looked into, honestly, but like, I, I think, well, I think there is some kind of subscription fee, like regardless of how you want to use it, but I, I can't be a hundred percent sure on that. I would assume it'd be like having like serious XM in your new car that people get it for the six months. Then it's just like, yeah, I'm not getting this anymore. It's terrible. Yeah. I need to, I guess, I guess before I should cast aspersions, I should, I should know for sure. But I just, I just reject, I reject the, the business model. I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. It's pretty good business model. Cause I bet you it's reoccurring as well. <laughs> so you just, you just print. Money. It is. Yes. No, I mean, and you know what? I, I just, the thing I know is that there are, half a million Pelotons sitting in people's basements and attics and shit across the country that they bought at the start of uh, the, the quarantine of the coronavirus stuff. And they're paying the monthly payment and it's a, it's a clothes hanger, right? They, they people are, are putting their, you know, it's, it's just not serving a function in their life anymore. I think Feinberg's mom got one at the outset of the pandemic. I'll have to ask him how often yep. she uses it. Yeah, I mean, look, and look, it's not hard to get out of your workout routine when you're you're like it's just there's it's just chaos, right? It's it, I I don't I don't blame you, but it's just like I don't want to have um a three thousand dollar bike sitting in my basement going unused. Yeah, when I'm doing the cost benefit analysis of three thousand dollars plus a sixty dollar per month subscription, yeah, that doesn't seem like something I want to uh, try to work out my budget to afford. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, like I bought a, I bought, I think mine was only like 400 bucks. Uh, I, I think it was cheaper because it came unassembled. I had to put it together myself. Yeah. It was a pain in the ass to do that, but I, I got it put together. It's in my unfinished basement. So I don't want to, you know, sit down there and, and hang out all that long. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I go down there. I do like an hour, hour and a half on the bike. I watch something on the iPad, dick around on my phone. I get up. I'm like, wow, okay, I burned 500 calories. I'm done. I'm out. It's 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 a good situation. See, what you should be doing is in lieu of Peloton charging the subscription fee, you should have the Davis Matic biking channel where you host like biking sessions with viewers at like 1 30 p.m. <laughs> every day. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe we could do like a like a group activity, like everyone goes and sits down on their their stationary bike and, and gets into it all at the same time, charge people five bucks for it. It's a good idea. I mean, you you could do it for free to start. You could yell at people over the internet because I feel like that's what these Peloton instructors do. It's like, you're fat, fucking pedal harder. I I have no idea how it works. I I assume that's it. Some people people love it. Like uh, like some of my... 
more like very successful DFS buddies have Pelotons and they they'll go and grind it for like 45 minutes and stuff. And like, they love it. But I also like the $60 recurring fee is not like that. They're not sweating that. Yeah. You were just talking about playing. Who was it? A hundred dollar single entry. Demarcus Robinson. Yeah. But you can't, can't do the 60 bucks for the Peloton. Dude. It's like, Oh, you, you should know this. Like people who gamble a lot of money tend to be very stingy like with like non-gambling um parts of their life like i i I do that is kind of funny like i'll lose you know like whatever like four hundred dollars in the afternoon soccer slate or whatever and it like won't offend me but i'm sitting here being a piker about uh forty dollar a month or six i don't even know how much it is the peloton subscription it's just one of those things yeah it's just sort of bias you have i'm exactly the same way like i have no problem betting whatever amount of money on the well i mean to a point, but just like the the way I can throw away money on DraftKings or even gambling without thinking about it versus buying something in my real life. It, it's the same reason why casinos give you chips and you don't bet with cash. Yes, I mean, uh, uh, it literally is the same thing, right? Like once it's in your account balance, it's like it's it's play money. It's monopoly hey, money. Yeah, like once once I like whenever I deposit into anything, whether it's a betting site or whether it's onto DraftKings, like, that I feel money's like gone. I, 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 I the way that I play, like cause I play for I'm not a pro DFS player or I'm not a pro gambler. It's all entertainment for me anyway. It's like, oh, this is the cost of me in my entertainment sure. budget. I have now put it in. If I lose it, I lose it, whatever. I'm probably like right. the perfect yeah, person I mean, to try to play in DFS tournaments. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and it's like, I kind of view, it's like, I have my, I have my life money and then I have my speculative money. Right. So, you you know, you have your stocks, you have, you have Bitcoin, you have uh, DFS, you have sports gambling and like all of that, that's separate. That is a, that is a a different kind of money. And I, I much more frugal with the life money than with the speculative money. Yeah. Like for me, the, the life money is what's my mortgage. What's my kid's daycare. Can like we afford to feed ourselves and our children clothing budget for the children. It's a lot, man. Kids are expensive by the way. Don't have them. Oh no. <laughs> I, I pay enough, pay enough for my, my dogs, dude. I can't, I can't imagine adding a kid on top of it. You probably have to get rid of the dogs. Not doing it. Not a fair trade. That's a, that is a, that is a lose, lose situation. Now, see, now I want you to have the baby. You get rid of those dogs so quickly. Just be a hassle. No, dude, never. Such a hassle. The dogs are, the dogs are the best. The dogs light up my life and they don't require that much work. The dogs don't require that much work. They're pretty low. I mean, like, yeah, I got to take them to the vet. I got to walk them. I got to let them out in the backyard, but like compared to a kid, like compared to the work yeah, that would be required yes, in having a kid compared to having a child, but just in general, like a, like dog versus not having a dog. Like a dog's kind of a hassle. I spend, I bet probably 45 minutes to an hour a day um, doing stuff like with or for the dogs, which doesn't seem that bad. And also I'm like, dude, I'm a hermit. Like I wouldn't even go out and go on walks really. I think probably if I didn't have dogs, so, like it's a, it's a mutually beneficial thing. All right. So the dog is at your actual life partner. Uh, I mean, like I have a girlfriend that I live with, but, uh, and she also does a lot of the dog um, maintenance stuff. So that's another thing that's nice. All right. Davis Maddock at Davis Maddock on Twitter at dailyroto.com to go check out all of his work. You can tune into the Swole cast and the Take cast as well. I am Pat Mayo. You can follow me at 
the PMing, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Find the cheat sheet up on DKPlaybook.com on Saturday. Smash like, give me your value defense in the description. Play in the Pat Mayo Experience Open. Get your sub at FTNDaily.com today. Code Mayo for a discount on top of the discount already. Okay? Pat Mayo, thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience! Experience!